And our second reading is from Paul's letter to the Colossians, chapter 2, verses 6 to 12. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form, and in Christ you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. In him, you were also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self, ruled by the flesh, was put off when you were circumcised by Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you very much, Pontus, for reading for us. I'm not as tall as Rob, so we'll go down a little bit. Why don't I lead us in a prayer? Uh, Father God, we pray that the, uh, the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts would be pleasing in your sight. Through Christ, our rock and redeemer. Amen. Don't know when your um, departure was uh, for the four o'clock service. Uh, you may or may not have managed to catch the boat race uh, before you set out. Um, if you, you don't know and you were watching, well, I'm going to ruin it for you anyway. So Cambridge has done brilliantly throughout. Um, now, what, what happens in a boat race? My guess is that they set off with a plan. Uh, and my guess is one of the things that the coaches may well say um, is just stick to the plan. You know, whatever happens, whatever unexpected things take place, stick to the plan. Uh, we know exactly what we're going to do. We've got our race plan. Stick to it. Continue uh, just as we planned uh, to, to row. Uh, this letter to the Christians in Colossae. Uh, one long appeal, in a sense, to the Christians in Colossae to stick to the plan. Uh, and in all sorts of ways, um, in the verses that Pontus has just read for us there, we come to the, the hinge point, uh, more than the hinge point, the focus of the entire letter. Uh, captures the essence of what it is that Paul wants to say uh, to these Christians. Uh, around this point of the letter, everything changes. Before this letter, not a single command uh, before this passage, not a single command. And then from chapter 2, verse 6 onwards, a string of commands that Paul now has uh, for the Christians in Colossae. Uh, it is very much the turning point, and it is the hinge, and it's the center point of what he has to say. Uh, and I think three questions will help us uh, to see what's going on here. Uh, I think if we ask Paul, Paul, what do we need most to do? He'll answer that in the first paragraph. If we then say, and then Paul, what do we need to avoid? He's going to answer that in the second paragraph. And then finally, why should we do that, Paul? He'll tell us that in the third. 
Um, So let's look through uh, asking and answering those three questions. First, what is it uh, that Paul would have the Christians in Colossae and have us, if we're believing in Christ, what would he have us do? Verse 6. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him. The essential, critical, elemental, utterly non-negotiable principle that Paul presses upon them here is continue. As you have began, so press on. You began the Christian life in this way, go on living the Christian life in this way. All sorts of things you, you, I guess you might change as you row uh, the, the boat race. And there might be a point where you say, well, you know, we'll up the stroke rate. There might be another point where you say, we're going to lengthen the stroke that we're rowing with. So you might do some little fine tunings, but you would never dream of saying, let's just throw the oars out of the boat and we'll paddle with our hands from now on. Well, Paul is saying, listen, we're here at something that is so central, it would be like getting rid of the oars and trying to paddle with your hands. What is it? What is this critical central thing that they mustn't let go of? They must continue with this. Well, it is just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord. Continue to live your lives in him. The thing that they came to believe the thing, the basis on which they have been saved is the conviction that Jesus is Lord. Paul has summed it up back there in chapter 1. See it from verse 15? The Son, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He's before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he's the head of the body of the church. He's the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. And if you have this Jesus, so sufficient, so supreme, if you have him as Lord, you cannot possibly want or need anything else. So therefore, stay rooted in him, built up in him. It, it, it's a sort of it's, a, it's an evident thing to you, isn't it, that, that trees grow where their roots are. Trees do not do well if they move to another field because they've just got a board in the field that they're in. We'll try that field over there for a bit. It's not going to be a happy tree. It just supplants itself from its roots, grows, grows somewhere else. Or, or a, a building, you know, Christchurch. Christchurch, oh, we've been here for a long time, a few centuries. Let's, let's try the far side of the roundabout and just the building slides across, moving away from its foundations. Not a happy scene. Well, those are the images here, rooted and built up in him. Rooted where you began, 
built up on the foundation that you began. So continue. It's, a, it's, it's as essential and as fundamental as that. Stay with Jesus. So first, what to do? Just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, that's how you began the Christian faith. You decided that Jesus was the Lord and you submitted your life to him. Well, continue in that way. Go on living life with Jesus as Lord, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, overflowing with thankfulness. So that's what to do. Then secondly, uh, the second paragraph tells us what to avoid. Verse 8. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world, rather than on Christ. There's a terrible, terrible picture being painted here of, uh, of Christian believers who could be taken captive, who could be deceived. And the idea is that, that somebody might be saying to them, listen, you made a good start with this Jesus. But of course, it's only a beginning, and now you need to move on to to bigger things, that there's more to discover. You haven't quite finished yet. So so let me show you the next things that come in this uh, Jesus development. You you need this kind of spiritual experience. You, You need our particular baptism. You need to become a member of our particular church. The secret now to really moving on in the Christian life is here in this book. Of course, if you really want to progress as a Christian, you need this style of praying. That'll do it. Only then will you really make progress. Only then will you really thrive as a Christian believer. That's the deception. That's what's sometimes called the the gospel plus false teaching that still does the rounds and it is a terrible terrible thing to be deceived in that way I was reading yesterday in my Saturday paper uh, of um, some terrible fraud uh, that goes on when people phone up and persuade you that they're phoning from your bank and that because of some a security glitch. Your money's no longer safe in your bank account. And they're very clever. And they know details of the end of your bank account number, perhaps. And on the phone, they have the caller ID comes up as if they are phoning from your bank. And then they tell you that the money needs to move out of your account, because it's not safe there at the moment, because of the security glitch, and move into a safe account. And they give you all the details, and they walk you through the steps... And the person being interviewed in the paper uh, had had their entire retirement savings of £44,000 moved off into the force account. Terrible deceit. So clever. So plausible. So easy to believe. And as a result, they lost everything. That's the awful possibility that Paul is placing in front of these Christians. Placing in front of us. 
If you or I come to believe in anything else other than Jesus, then we lose everything. Because in the gospel, we have everything we need. And as soon as we think that we need something else, the implication is that Jesus is no longer enough. You think you're adding. You think, well, I'm just adding a little bit more to Jesus. That's good, isn't it? But we don't realise that when we add anything to Jesus, we lose everything. Because we say that he's not enough. The formula, in other words, is Jesus plus anything equals nothing. It is as serious as that. It is a terrible, hollow, deceptive philosophy. And why? Why so serious? Well, our third paragraph explains why it is so serious. Because, 4, verse 9, For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And in Christ you have been brought to fullness key idea in this chapter, which is a key idea of Bible teaching, is the idea of union with Christ, of being united with Jesus, being in him. You you can see it there in the language that follows. Um, Verse 11, in him you were also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self ruled by the flesh was put off when you were circumcised by Christ. In him you were circumcised. Then, verse 12, having been buried with him in baptism. In which also, uh, next bit of verse 12, you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. Do you see verse 11? In him you were circumcised. Verse 12, you were buried with him. Next bit of verse 12, you were raised with him. You are united with Christ. What happened to him happened to you. I was speaking on this earlier in the year, um, and um, I listened to somebody, uh, I can't remember who it was, um, and he used such a simple illustration. Um, He said, listen, suppose I take this pen and I put it in this book. The pen is now in the book. And that therefore means that whatever I do with the book, wherever the book goes, the pen goes can't help it because it's in the book wherever the book is going the pen is going well that's what it means to be in christ simple illustration but it is what it means if you are in christ that where christ goes you go when christ died and was buried you were buried with him all your sin died with him your old self that was under condemnation died with him And if you're in Christ, then you were raised with Christ, back to life, with a new life that can never end, just like Christ, because you're in him. And because he's done all of that, he's enough. You don't need anything else. Do you see how different that is from being a pen, watching, seeing where the book goes, 
and thinking, I'll try and follow. Let me see how I do. Oh, I'm a bit out of step, but I'll, I'll do my best. It's a completely different thing. If you think that's what the Christian life is, you've missed it. It's not about following Jesus and trying to get an idea of what a good person Jesus was and let me see if I can imitate him. It's much, much more than that. It's being in Christ. So that everything that he is, everything that he's done, becomes yours through union by faith in Christ. And our response to these things to overflow with thankfulness. Just to rejoice and overflow with thankfulness. That he's given you all of that. And it's all yours. Just as a gift. That's grace. That's the gospel. That's why even as we feel unable, even as we find our strength fading, doesn't mean somehow that we're no longer any good to God. doesn't mean somehow that we are less well thought of by God. But it's not about what we do. It's about what Christ has done for us. I'm going to pray. We're going to sing this next hymn, which is a glorious, glorious reminder of all that Christ has done for us. He the one whose head was wounded. He the one who was defiled and put to scorn. He the one that was mocked. But he the one that rose again from the dead. And in him all of that is gift to me. Let me pray for us. Uh, Lord Jesus, how we have reason uh, to love you and to praise you. Uh, In you, all the fullness of deity dwells. And we, by union with you, uh, died to sin, put off the sinful self, for it died with you, And in you we are raised that we might know eternal life, not because of our own efforts or our own cleverness, not because we are strong, but because you are mighty and you have died and risen again for us. Uh, How we praise you for this truth uh, and what a joy it is to eat and drink bread and wine in a moment as a token to us, as a reminder to us, as a demonstration to us of our union uh, with your very body and blood. And we pray these prayers of thanksgiving to you in Christ's name. Amen.